Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash talkingdead. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Dead number 57. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And thanks for joining us. This is the episode for the week of Monday, October the 24th. And we're going to be talking about Bloodletting, Season 2, Episode 2. Yes. Before we get to that, we've got a few other things to do. And we also, of course, have our Holy Crap Did You See That moment. Yep. Which uh, <laughs> I think should be interesting this week. I think it should be. All right. Um, At so least it should be. It, you're right. It, it should be. We'll find out if it actually is. Yes. <laughs> it's all a big crapshoot anyway. Yeah, totally. Um, obviously, we don't we don't tell each other before the show what our chosen moments are. So it's always fun to just find out on the air always 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 fun fun. things are generally fun around here aren't they i would i have fun okay good um but before we do any of that we're going to take a few minutes to talk about um another program that is on the amc network that kind of shares a shares a name with us mostly shares a name mostly shares a name we have a the they don't yeah it's a 66 percent shared name that's right by word count. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we're talking about AMC's Talking Dead, which is their live after show hosted by Chris Hardwick um, that uh, that basically, I don't know, is supposed to talk about and give some insight to the episode that you just watched of The Walking Dead. Right. I didn't see the first episode. Me neither. Neither, neither did you. Yep. But we both watched last night's. No, we didn't. We didn't? No, you did. You didn't watch last night. I watched the first. This is you know. This is why I wanted to talk about it. I watched the first five minutes, but I had to turn it off. Not because of anything to do with the show itself, but because of this show. I like to keep things fresh. I like not to read anything what people are saying about the show because uh, I want to have my own opinions and I don't want to have uh, that clouded by anybody else's opinions. And this is the exact kind of show that I would not be able to watch before, uh, you know, recording this episode. So I'll go back and watch it. I still I have it recorded on my PVR. I'll go back and watch it, but I can't watch it before recording this podcast. I can see that. Now I watched the whole thing, right. and I can I can tell you right now that in my opinion, <clears throat> you've got nothing to worry about. Really? They they provide no opinion on the show. They provide no new information well, about the show. There was a couple of opinions in the in the first couple of minutes that I watched. Well, what did you hear? Do you do you remember? Uh. No, it was first thing this morning. It was before I took a f- sip of coffee because, you know, 11 o'clock is way too late. Right. And, like, I can't stay up till 1130, you know, so it's past my bedtime. So I recorded it and I started watching it this morning at about six when I get up. Uh, so I remember I know who was on the show. It was that comedian dude that I like. I mm-hmm. forget his name. And uh, what's his eyebrows that, uh, you know, makes the, com- the comic book. Ouch. So, sorry about that. So... I was interested in watching it, and you know, after a few seconds of it or a minute or so, it's just you know, I just I didn't want to have my opinions clouded in any way, so I I shut her down. Well, first of all, his name is Robert Kirkman. Yeah, yeah, that's the guy. I should probably remember that. After no, I do remember it, but you know, mid sentence, I've got other things <laughs> on my mind, like uh, trying to you know consciously speak. So I watched the whole thing, as I said, and I I don't know. In my opinion, there wasn't really any anything new given they did show an exclusive clip from next week's episode at the end right which uh in in some ways i wish i hadn't had hadn't have seen but it i don't know it didn't really give away too much but in general i thought amc's talking dead was chris hardwick the host kind of just gushing over everything how great it was which is fine i mean that's sort of what he's there to do and let's be honest they're not going to get up there and say you know this episode wasn't that great so it's not like it's that. not that arm arm's length thing we were hoping for <clears throat> no not at all it's way too close and i and and 
that I mean, when you think about it, it's it's on AMC, yeah. obviously. Robert Kirkman, the executive producer and creator of the comic, is there. Yep. And then they always have a comedian on. And it's always a comedian? Well, in the first one I heard it was Patton Oswalt and somebody else. Right. And this one it was that comedian whose name I can't remember. I so, like him. He, what show was he in? This is you know a tangent that's going nowhere. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I got no idea. Um, and, and, and it was kind of typical. Kirkman couldn't say anything. He answered three or four or maybe more questions with... I can't really say anything. Well, I do remember him saying that. They asked his opinion, like, what's going to happen? It's like, I can't, you know, I can't, you know, I don't know why I'm here. I can't say anything. Yeah, exactly. He, he did answer some questions with general, we're going to talk, we're going to, the show's going to get into this or that or whatever, you know. I do know that Chris Hardwick asked him how the whole thing is going to end. And then Kirkman said, uh, everybody catches on fire. Yeah, I saw that. That's, That's very interesting. That'd be an exciting ending. Yeah. He also made a joke about there being aliens. Of course. Coming in. So, yeah, it uh overall I I didn't I didn't see the point. Like I didn't get it. And the comedian that was there just kind of did the same thing. He sort of said how much he liked it. They didn't really talk about the episode in any great detail or anything interesting in my right. opinion. And I thought it was a bit of a wasted opportunity. To right. do something kind of fun and kind of cool. So, yeah, maybe they'll uh, change direction and uh, get to hard hitting kind of uh, critical review. Yeah, maybe. Um, I can I can see right now people listening to this going, wow, those guys are just, you know, sour grapes because they they use their name, which we've been using for a couple of years. And, you know, that's fair enough. I If, if you think that way, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I hope that's not how this comes across because I don't really feel that way. Right. Um, they're allowed to do whatever they want, just as we are. So, and I'm allowed to say that I like it or I don't. So, that's the way it is. Um, one thing I do want to reiterate once again <laughs> for all those people out there that are confusing this podcast with AMC's Talking Dead, the last couple of Sundays I've got we've received you know forty to sixty voicemails that were intended for AMC's Talking Dead, a number of emails, lots of new Twitter followers, which hey is great. I yeah. you know I, I think that's fantastic. But I'm just trying to be upfront with everybody and make sure you know that we have nothing to do with AMC's Talking Dead. So voicemails you sent to us are not getting to them. Yeah, we are not affiliated not affiliated in any way. So, uh, you know, hopefully you listen to this and you, you dig what we do and you'll you'll participate in some of our conversation. Um, but if you're just looking for AMC's Talking Dead, then unfortunately this is not the place. Um, I don't even mind telling you that if you want to find them, go to talkingdead.com. That's their domain. There you go. That's where you're going to go and find out all the information about that show. <clears throat> okay, with that out of the way... I think it is time for us to recap Bloodletting. That's the episode title right there. <laughs> oh, Scott Fletcher. <laughs> yeah, that is good stuff. So here we go. The opening scene of Bloodletting. We open with a flashback. Yeah. Which we uh, have talked about before. We've wondered about the possibility of flashbacks being introduced into the show on a more regular basis. I thought we were going to get a longer flashback than this. We'll get to how long it was, but uh, it wasn't all that long. No, it wasn't, although it compri comprised the entire pre-credit sequence. It did. Which, uh, which was a couple minutes at least. So we open with a flashback. It's Lori picking up Carl at school. Mm -hmm. She's chatting with another mom, and she's talking about a fight that her and Rick had that morning. She says, we had a fight, and it got ugly. It did. So uh, we already knew that her and, her and Carl had some marital issues. And uh, this kind of just reinforces Rick. that. Her and Rick, sorry. Yeah, she has no marital issues with Carl whatsoever. <laughs> with her son, that would be weird. It really would. <laughs> with her and Rick. She's yep. picking up Carl, her husband's Rick. Um, <clears throat> she also admits that she was the one who was kind of losing it and that Rick is always the reasonable one. Very frustratingly so. Frustratingly so. Now, I have personal experience with this. You do? Yes. This is kind of how my wife and I interact a little bit. She's very reasonable. You just fly off the handle. Other way around. Oh, my really? Friend. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, she, she, you know, some couples, and I don't know why we're getting into this, but some couples <laughs> really, really argue. Others don't. And then there's situations like ours where I, I tend to stay very level-headed and I don't, you know, let things get out of hand because I, I don't see the point in that. 
So it sounds like Rick and Lori have a similar marriage, at least in that respect, well, there you go. <laughs> to what I've got going on here. Um, but Lori's friend asks her, the question is, do you still love Rick? And she says, I've been asking myself that a lot, and I think the answer is yes. Well, good. So that, that's, <laughs> that is good. Would, uh, would your wife give the same opinion of how you argue as you just gave? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, for I'm sure. She, under, she understands. Sometimes she's told me. Sometimes she wishes I would just, uh, you know, tell her how I really feel <laughs> or something like <laughs> there that. There you go. I don't know. <laughs> uh, at that point, two police cars drive up. Uh, Shane hops out, and you could tell Lori kind of has a feeling about what's going to happen here. Well, he blared the siren, just very short, kind of a blip thing. So that kind of makes it an official arrival. No, I'm not, he's not just showing up to say hi. He's there for a reason, and she knows it. And he, he's getting her attention with that too, right? You yeah. know, as a as the wife of a police officer, you probably uh, are trained to listen for that sort of thing, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so Lori knows what he's about to tell her, but um, he gets out and she he explains that Rick's in surgery. Doesn't actually say that anything happened. No, doesn't really explain. Well, doesn't explain that he was shot right away. Says that he's in surgery. And um, then he explains what did happen about uh, about a couple of couple. Of, uh, the call came in with two suspects in a car, but there was a third, and nobody saw him until it was too late. And Shane sort of blames himself for that. He says it was right. his fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Lori says, "I don't believe that because she has faith that uh, you know these guys know what they're doing." And feelings <clears throat> for Shane. And feelings for Shane. <laughs> exactly. I don't, I couldn't believe that about you, Shane. That, that gets kind of reinforced very soon after that when Lori says, uh, Carl comes running out and she says, how do I tell my son his father's been shot? And Shane goes, well, you don't have to do it alone. But then she does anyway. <laughs> yeah, he, he leans down. He, he goes down on a knee kind of thing, but he lets her do it all by himself. Yeah, we don't hear that conversation. We just see it from a distance from Shane's perspective. And uh, as that ends, we go right into the opening credits. I thought Chandler Riggs did a uh, really good job there in that scene. The, uh, Finding out that his dad's been shot, I think, uh, in his reaction, I thought he did uh, a stellar job. I think so, too. Chandler, we talked about last week, he's been um, he's been called upon more this season already to do a lot of extra stuff, and he's been uh, great in uh, in every situation so far. And when Shane, uh, when he leaned down, when uh, Laurie went to tell him that his father has been shot, just the, the look in his eyes, uh, you know, kind of portrays uh, the connection he has with Carl as well. Mm -hmm. That there's something there. Like there's something that uh, he wants to be a part of this family already. Oh, I think he he had those feelings for some time. Yeah. For some time. Um, Another interesting thing here, this is the first time, I believe, that the opening credits music didn't really bleed in from the scene at all. Mm -hmm. We had, you know, emotional, um, you know, telling your son his father's been shot music which then we cut to the credits, and then we hear the opening credits music. So we didn't know it was coming like we do in all the other episodes. Yep. thought that was interesting, too. It was. Too, probably a choice, you know, based on the subject matter of what was happening in that scene. They don't want to take away from it. <clears throat> so we come back from the credits, and we see Rick running through a field carrying Carl. This is a shot we'd seen numerous times in the trailers. Otis and Shane are running behind him. Um, although we haven't been introduced to Otis really yet. No, we just know he's, we just see him and assume that who he is. We we know who he is for sure. Uh, and Shane tells him to hurry up and calls, oh, yeah. calls him an unfriendly name. <laughs> yep. Uh, Rick charges ahead because he wants to get there as fast as he can, and Maggie on the porch sees him coming. When they get to the when Rick arrives at the farm, Herschel's there, takes them in, uh, you know, with almost no questions asked. Asked. Yeah, he, he just, just asks, was he bit? Just takes, yeah, was he bit? And then he takes charge and starts working on Carl. De- definitely. They get Carl in a bed, they gather supplies, and they tell Rick to give them some space, and they will, quote, do everything they can. Yep. Um, so Rick walks outside as Shane and Otis get there at that point. He wipes his face and smears blood all over himself, which was <laughs> sort of nasty, but it I guess he, he's got other things on his mind. Um, and Shane cleans him up, which was nice of him, I think. Very <clears throat> loving. Very Lo- lovingly cleans him up. He, absolutely, there was a couple of loving scenes between him and Shane this this episode. So, yep. these two guys are still friends despite everything. 
Um, well, uh, you know, Rick doesn't know uh, anything about what's going on yet. No, not yet. So there's no reason for him to think anything's wrong. It's his, it's his best friend. It's his partner. Best friend and partner. That's but, right. Uh, Shane, Shane's a little duplicitous there, I think. <laughs> I think, I think you may be right. you got some conflicting feelings, I think. <laughs> so they go back inside, and Herschel asks Rick about his blood type, and he explains that he has the same as Carl, which is very lucky. Mm-hmm. And uh, Otis at that point run, comes in and explains what happens, what happened too. And you can tell he's very remorseful that he feels pretty bad about this. Well, yeah, he didn't see him at all. He was trying to shoot a deer. He was probably on one knee, and all he could see was the deer. And then there's a, there's a, a kid on the other side of the deer. Yeah, how is he supposed to see that? Exactly, that kid wouldn't even clear the deer's back. Probably it was a big deer. Yeah. so it was a buck. It was, it was a, a male deer. Apparently a buck. Well, it had antlers. Yeah. So. Well, I don't do a whole lot of hunting, so uh, no. Neither do I. Deer's a deer, but antlers (laughs) kind of give it away. Yes. Herschel then says that the deer slowed the bullet down, and it certainly saved his life. That's excellent. Um, Which I don't... The thing I don't understand here is that it... He says it did not go through clean. There were six fragments. Yeah. Which is... Sounds pretty bad. Would it not have been better for the bullet to have gone straight through clean, as long as it didn't hit any organs, and come out the other side and not leave anything inside? Uh, Well, I don't know. Maybe. I want to know how he knows there's six fragments, personally. I get Well, yeah. I don't or maybe the... Okay. All right. I just... It, this just occurred to me. I've watched this show twice now, this episode twice, and this just occurred to me that he's got six small holes instead of one big one, mm-hmm. right? So the deer, the, the deer fragmented the bullet, and then it, as it was spreading apart, it hit Carl in the stomach, and then so there's like... Instead of one big hole, it looks like there's one big hole, but maybe it's six smaller holes that have merged into what looks like one big hole but <laughs> you know Herschel knows the difference as a trained veterinarian he That's knows right. what to look for yeah. right could be i don't know so we cut to Lori and the group walking through the forest they heard a gunshot of yeah. course because it wasn't that far away and Lori questions why one why just one gunshot yep seems weird to <clears> me <throat> because they wouldn't they wouldn't shoot a zombie if there was just one of them that's right because they wouldn't want to attract attention so she of course is worried that something bad has happened she's psychic but they decide to keep looking for sophia and get back to the highway <clears throat> nothing to do nothing they can do right then um as they move on andrea and carol have a moment they agree that they understand each other's situation i guess because carol's lost a daughter and andrea lost a sister mm-hmm. then carol says i pray she doesn't wind up like amy <laughs> referring to <laughs> sophia um which is kind of uh it's true but blunt a little bit blunt yeah but andrea is good she takes it in stride and just kind of kind of moves on with it uh and daryl comes along with his quote it's a damn waste of time all this hoping and praying we're gonna locate that little girl and she'll be just fine i thought that was a really really cool uh little speech that he gave because he came in saying you know all this hoping and praying is a damn waste of time that seems like a bad guy kind of thing to say right mm-hmm. he comes in it's just like you know shut the hell up you know this hoping and praying thing you know it's stupid it's a waste of time we're at the end of the world here you know you know suck it up we got to do things here but then he's you know he says uh you know she's going to be fine you know you don't have to hope and pray because you know she's going to be fine am i the only zen around here yeah exactly <laughs> he you're right he's not saying it in a malicious way he's not saying like you guys are stupid for for worrying about this he's yeah. he's saying that you don't need to worry about this because everything's gonna be okay right and right? you know the the zen comment which took me a couple of times listening back to it to mm-hmm. understand what he was saying but you keep a positive attitude mm-hmm. right you you know you vi- envision the outcome and it will come true so he's just saying you know she's going to be fine you know, get on board, toe the line. That way she's fine. <laughs> exactly. Believe it and it will be so. That's right. <laughs> After that, we cut to back to the highway, which we haven't seen in a while. Dale and T-Dog are the only ones there because they're the only ones hanging around. They didn't go out searching. And they talk about how T-Dog is feeling. And Dale realizes that he has a bad infection starting in his arm wound. Yep. Um, they decide to search the cars for some antibiotics. And we get T-Dog's real name here. Although I couldn't quite understand the last name. I think I missed it. Theodore Duggs or Theodore Dogs, something like that. Oh, T Dog. I yeah. get Theo. <clears throat> Theo. Huxtable. Theo so Huxtable Duggs. Like, yeah. Um, I couldn't quite get the last name there. He kind of he says something about, um, you know, the, the world's gone to hell and all this, and what takes out Theodore Duggs is a little arm wound or something like that. Right. So. Well, uh, that's why I missed it because I was 
stuck on the arm wound yes. comment, and I uh, exactly my brain went right over that. So his name is Theodore. There we go. I've always nice. wondered that. Um, so they start searching the cars. T Dog finds some cigarettes and a child car seat full of blood. Yep. I must admit, it was kind of disturbing. No kidding, it was very disturbing for me. You know, I'm kind of my uh, my wife got up and walked out of the room at that point, and I'm kind of glad because uh, she wouldn't have enjoyed watching that kind of thing. No, you know, infant body or anything like that, but just a lot of blood splattered around that car seat at the back, and it disturbed T Dog. You could tell, and it would disturb well, yeah. the audience too. Disturb me. But you know what? This is the kind of stuff you get on this show. They're not afraid to show you anything or people smoking because <laughs> he was smoking those. Yeah, he definitely started smoking them. Yeah, and you don't see that in a lot of shows anymore. No, that's true. That's true. I, I think on major major networks, it's not even allowed, is it? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's allowed. I know that if you uh, watch a movie or a television show that has cigarettes in it, at the end they put in a disclaimer saying that we received no money whatsoever from any tobacco companies for displaying cigarettes in this show. Interesting. To make sure that people know that it's not product placement. Yeah, that, you'd look bad if you were product placing some cigarettes. That's right. But hey, T Dog smokes in this show, so uh, you know if I saw that uh, that car seat full of blood, I'd I'd be looking for cigarettes. <laughs> I'd start smoking right there, or a stiff drink or something. You know, you know, I'm going to say, you know, I haven't had a cigarette in more than five years now. That's amazing. I, I used to be a, a full time smoker, and uh, if there was a zombie apocalypse, I'd be looting for packs of smokes. Except that you need your lungs to run away from zombies. That's like yeah, that's cardio. When you, that's, that's when you don't want to smoke. You know, and cigarette cigarettes never caused me any kind of issues in that regard. Like mm-hmm. I never noticed any decrease in lung capacity due to smoking. Well, so. when you're sedentary anyways, you're not going to notice the exactly. difference. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's not going to make a difference in my life now, I can tell you that. <laughs> so back at the farm, Rick and Shane are talking. Rick is second-guessing himself about bringing Carl on their on their little hunt there. He's trying to justify his decision to continue looking for Sophia and he's saying things like when a little girl gets lost you go look for her it's just what you, it's the decent thing to do it's the right thing to do he's, he's absolutely right <clears throat> but he's second guessing himself a little bit um, Maggie comes in uh, and tells them that Carl needs blood now they walk into the room and Carl is there screaming and writhing in pain yeah and then passes out it was all this was also a pretty disturbing scene it was for me you don't see that happening to kids very often no you do not you know adults get hurt they get they get operated on they you know whatever but with kids you don't see it and chandler riggs that kid pulled it off he did it's very disturbing at least i thought so totally disturbing um you know i've got kids that are a little younger than him and it was freaking me out um and at that point herschel gets one bullet fragment out yep one five to go so things are not looking great for Carl, as we go into a commercial. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> when we come back, Carl is stable, and Rick is pumping some blood into him, uh, and he decides that Lori needs to be there, but Herschel says he can't leave because Carl's going to need more blood. you got to stay within 50 feet of this bed, he says. Yep, makes sense. Totally. You know, he can't go anywhere. Shane tells uh, Rick that uh, his job right now is to be there for his son, and Shane says that Rick has the hard part and that he'll handle everything else. Yep. You know what I noticed in this scene, and I'm going to ruin this for uh, everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Brenthal has really big earlobes, and I didn't <laughs> notice it until this scene. Look at a picture of the man, or watch this scene again. His earlobes are abnormally big. Really? Yep. Big earlobes. Okay. Well, I will take a look. And and I wish I could unsee that. And I poisoned my wife because I t- told her that, and she's like, "Yep, yeah, now it's the only thing I can see." And now I'm poisoning everybody else out there. Interesting. Yeah. Big earlobes. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah, no problem. I'll take a look for it now. <laughs> uh, finally, he tells Rick, he, he tells her about when he was in the hospital, uh, when Rick was in the hospital, and he says Lori was very, very strong, mm-hmm. which is interesting. You know, as we know, he's got some feelings for her, <clears throat> and uh, but Rick has no idea. So to him, it's just a comment to make him feel better. Herschel comes out and explains that they need surgical supplies, things like a respirator, some tubes, sutures, all that kind of stuff, uh, to get the rest of the bullet fragments out. Because if he operates on Carl, he needs to be um, he needs to be unconscious, yep. or he'll writhe around and screw up the uh, the surgery. Um, it partially because Carl has internal bleeding, which is bad, very bad, which is not good. That's that's the bad kind of bleeding. 
They talk about a FEMA shelter that was set up in a nearby high school, and Shane and Otis agree to go because, as we said, Carl can't leave. Rick thanks Otis for what he's going to do, but Otis says, wait till that boy of yours is up and around, then we'll talk. Yep. Otis still feels pretty bad about Well, as would anybody in their right mind. Absolutely, even though it's completely not his fault. It's a hunting accident. I mean, sure, they happen, but you you try and uh, minimize that by wearing bright orange vests Mm -hmm. when you're out hunting so that you don't accidentally get shot. But in the zombie apocalypse, not everybody has an orange vest. Carl decided to wear a camouflage T-shirt instead. Yes. (laughs) It so, probably didn't help. And he decided to, to be to be about as high as a buck. Mm-hmm. So anybody who's on one knee, which is the smart way to uh, stabilize yourself for uh, for for hunting, uh, you know, you're not going to see anything behind there. And you know, sure, you think I've got to shoot this deer in a spot that it's not going to go through the deer. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't you ideally don't want the bullet to go through the deer because then you lose control of the bullet. You don't know where it's going. So, but you know, that happens sometimes if your shot cuts off or if the deer moves or what Mm -hmm. happened, you're going to go through. So you uh, normally try and check and just be aware of what's on the other side of what you're shooting at. When you shoot an animal like that, are you typically going for a body shot or are you trying to shoot it in the head? Oh, heart. Heart? Aim for the heart right behind, uh, right in front of the shoulder blade or behind the shoulder somewhere. I've never gone actual hunting, but I know that you're aiming for the heart. Okay. Right in the middle of the... Uh, so you are going for center body, mass. body center mass, right? Yeah. Which the bullet would not pass through, generally. Right. <clears throat> Interesting. So right before the scene ends, Maggie just asks Rick where Lori is. They leave it at that. Right. We get a quick scene of the group back in the forest. Uh, they haven't found anything, and they agree to continue heading back towards the highway. And then we quickly cut back to the farm when Otis and Shane are getting ready to leave in a pickup truck for the high school and uh, interestingly, Rick offers Otis his gun. I thought that was a little weird. It does seem a bit strange because they were both leaving with guns in hand. Mm-hmm. Shane had his typical shotgun and Otis had an older rifle, it looked like. It was a hunting rifle. Hunting rifle, the one he shot Carl with. That's right. <clears throat> so he, they didn't really need any more weapons like, unless they figured more is better. More is always better in a zombie apocalypse. More right. weapons, better. I suppose that's true, but... Rick's gun is important to him. At least that's what I felt like, and I don't know why he would give it up like that. I think it, it's more of a gesture than anything. He's just saying, you know, look, I don't. I know this is not your fault. I don't blame you. I don't. Yeah. yeah, you didn't do this on purpose. You didn't have malice in your heart when you shot my son. It's a. It's an accident. It's a mm-hmm. horrible accident. And I'm sorry it happened, but you know, this this is a, a step towards uh, a peace offering. You know, take my gun. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. I trust you still. Hopefully he doesn't lose it, because that's a really nice gun. Yeah, it would be unfortunate. <laughs> so we go to commercial, and when we come back, we are back at the highway. Um, and T-Dog and Dale have kind of an interesting conversation here. T-Dog yeah. tells Dale that everyone must think that they are the weakest, and he accuses Dale of being 70, <laughs> when he's actually only 64. <laughs> Still. Yep. He also goes on to say that he's the only black guy there, and thinks and he thinks that puts him at risk. He suggests that they leave the group, but Dale thinks he's totally losing it, and then realizes he's now got a high fever and a serious blood infection. Yep. So I didn't like this scene very much, to be honest with you. Why not? It felt like um, it felt like a conversation where they were, I don't want to say stating the obvious, but kind of kind of using a cliche moment. A little bit like you know it's difficult to explain but there's always some character that's there to get killed off and it's almost like the show is acknowledging that that might be t-dog i'm not sure that it's the show acknowledging that i think it's t-dog recognizing that in uh you know i'm i'm more likely to be lynched than anybody else because we got two redneck cops and or two good old boy cops mm-hmm. and a redneck yeah and i'm the only black guy uh you know they're going to lynch me first, but right? wh- but why would they do that? I mean, we have these. They may be good old boy cops, but they're also and have displayed the fact that they're they're good people at and least I, when it comes to each other. It is, and you know Dale says that. Like, look, those guys saved your life, or uh, that redneck saved your life more than once. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and I I also uh, took this through. I knew at the end of the scene that he had a fever mm-hmm. and then he was, you know, obviously not feeling very well at all. Mm-hmm. I filtered that through, uh, you know, a, a fever kind of thing, which things tend to get skewed. Yeah. You know, you don't really, you're not really rational in that kind of state. You're absolutely right. If they were just trying to indicate that, you know, he's sick, 
and he's not being rational, then I can see it. Uh, I, I can totally get on board with that. But if he was actually kind of speaking seriously, it's almost like he took himself out of the show, analyzed the show, and then, you know, the writers put that conversation back in kind of. And I didn't I didn't like how that felt. Right. I mean, yes, he. Uh, I think that uh, there is a black guy dies first cliche that uh, we're in danger of seeing here. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that uh, the show, it's the show's, intent to recognize that here i think that it's t-dog's uh you know concern about being the only black guy in a in this particular party mm-hmm. right I, I guess so he's he's looking at who's there and what they're doing and yeah he, he's like you're the old guy i'm the black guy we're left behind here because <clears throat> they think we're weak yeah right so let's just go <laughs> let's just leave let's just get the hell out of here and then and Dale's like, uh, yeah, I think you got a fever. Yeah, luck, luckily Dale realizes that he's not himself, I guess, and and you know tells him to settle down. He says, "You've gone off the deep end," <laughs> which was funny. What's wrong with you? <clears throat> so we go back to our group coming through the forest. Apparently, they're only one hundred yards from the highway again. But Andrea gets slightly separated. Um, it seemed like she got separated from them awfully quickly. Like farther, she was farther away than she could have gotten in that time. But whatever, that's okay. And she's attacked by a zombie. That was a really cool shot. The way the zombie just came up from behind the tree. Yeah, like that. I had to watch it a couple of times because the first time I watched it, it felt awkward to me. Really? Yeah, cameras panning along, following her, and it's one of those. It's like the zombie wasn't moving. He was standing behind the tree until we went past the tree and then we saw him come out. Well, that's exactly what happened. But I don't know. It felt awkward to me the first time I watched it. And when I saw it a couple more times, I was okay with it. It, But it felt to me first time like he just materialized out of thin air. No, I knew that he came out of a tree. I recognized that. Well, not out of a tree, out from behind a tree. Yeah. But I thought that the the whole, the fluidity of that, that shot was really neat. Just like she's walking along. All of a sudden there's a zombie walking along beside her like it's always been there. Yeah. But it hasn't because there was a tree in the way. But why wouldn't the zombie come at her from the other direction when she was approaching the tree? Like, I, well, he just wasn't looking? He's a lurker. Okay. He's not a, he's not a walker. <laughs> he's a lurker. I think he, they say he's a walker later on, but I think he was a lurker because he was just, you know, he's lurking behind a tree. They call them all walkers right now, to be, to be fair. But, yeah, That's okay, true. maybe he was just standing there, and as she passed, she, he heard her footsteps or something, but... Yeah, and they take a little while to turn, right? They're not like they're not going to turn on a dime. Mm-hmm. They're just like whoa, and then you know he got to her eventually, and he knocks her down on the ground. She starts screaming. Everyone else is running up, and uh, suddenly Maggie on a horse rides up and baseball bats the zombie out right off of uh, Andrea. Yeah, Maggie's got a bat. It was pretty exciting and a we, holster for the bat. We got a little slow mo scene there too. I think the slow mo. I think. It felt slow-mo to me, with Andrea going down on the ground and then the bat coming through and slow-motioning the zombie's head. Oh, it felt a little CG to me. Like, I oh, think, maybe. I, I think there was uh, there was definitely some CG going on there. Because, uh, you know, the, to do that with live action would be very difficult to do. Riding a horse, swinging a bat, guy jumping back. Oh, come on. There's professionals at that kind of thing. Yeah, well, it's. I think there's a lot going on for that to be consistent yeah. in uh, being able to dodge a flying bat. Might take a, a bunch of takes, yeah. you know? So I, I saw, <laughs> I, I think that was CG, that what you saw there, that felt a little weird. Okay, it could have been. Could have been. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, now that the zombie is down, uh, Maggie determines uh, which one of them is Lori pretty quickly, and she explains that uh, Carl's been shot. Rick is there, and Lori has to come with her right now. Did you notice she had a holster for that bat? I did not notice on that. On the horse, she had a, she put the bat in a bat holster on the horse. Hanging off the side of a horse? <laughs> yeah, it was right in the, right in the front. Usually uh, they have uh, horse holsters for rifles, so maybe it was something similar. Instead of having a rifle, she had a bat in there. That's a great idea. Yeah, so you can ride your horse, and if you need your bat, you take your bat out and you give, it a, give them a whack. Do something with it. I'll bet you, I wonder if it's similar to if they what they would have in um, a uh, the game where horses polo? polo is that what it's called? It, it, they usually hang on to those mallets consistently. I was going to say cricket, but it's not cricket. It's polo. No, it's not cricket. Okay, but it is polo. But I don't. I think that they ride around and swing those things all the time. They don't have time to put them in a holster. Right. Okay. Well, whatever. I just figured it's a. It's like hockey. They don't have. Mallet. They don't have a holster for their hockey sticks. <laughs> no. Which would be cool. You put them on your back. 
you get, you got to be doing stuff with that hockey stick. Exactly. I suppose. Okay, so the rest of the group, after Maggie and Lori ride off into the sunset, the rest of the group make it back to the highway and basically update Dale on what's going on. Well, you, you missed uh, Daryl shooting the walker. Shut up and shoots him in the head. Yeah, I know. That, that was kind of funny. He The walker sits back up and Daryl gives him the bolt to the head. Yep. Um, so they get back to the highway and they update Dale. There you go. Nothing more to say there. <laughs> Um, at the farm, Rick is on the porch talking to Herschel about the farm. Herschel tells him about the people they've lost to the epidemic. Herschel's confident that a cure is coming, and he compares it to AIDS. Yes, he does. He says, mankind's been fighting plagues since the start. We get our behinds kicked for a while, and then we bounce back. And Rick says, I wish I could believe that. Yep. Rick doesn't think there's any coming back from this, but Herschel seems to think it's, you know, admittedly bad, but <clears throat> nothing that mankind hasn't dealt with before we just have to ride it out until we find a cure mm-hmm. i think this uh this is a very important conversation i think that uh, this kind of uh sets the tone for herschel's slightly askew view of reality because uh, he doesn't quite accept this as you know a full apocalypse he still thinks this is a zombie situation or a zombie crisis right it's not a, he doesn't <laughs> think it's a full zombie apocalypse right, right? he thinks they're gonna come out of it that's right. He thinks that we just got to ride this out. They're going to come up with a cure, and then everything will be fine. He's not. Uh, he, he's just slightly off of uh, at least Rick's reality, mm-hmm. right? And that party's reality. They know that it's a full zombie apocalypse. The, the end is here. Uh, we have to fend for ourselves. This is it. The world as we know it is gone. Mm-hmm. Whereas Herschel doesn't think the world is gone. He just thinks that uh, this is a rough time. Yes, but we'll get past it. Yeah, and it's also the you know, a second or third time that a cure for this has been mentioned on this show, right? Mm -hmm. It's certainly brought up in this time span a lot more frequently than it ever was in the comic book. Right. Um, And just the concept that this could be solved or cured, not really bring the zombies back to life, of course, but make it so that anyone still living wouldn't become a zombie, maybe. Right. I wonder if that's going to continue, if they're going to keep sort of that theme going throughout, you know, season two and beyond. They could. They still haven't explained that helicopter. Well, sure. Yeah. I think I'm starting to think that Rick just, you know, he uh, he just imagined it. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I didn't imagine it. No, it was definitely there. There was a camera there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, did you also notice in the webisodes, which you, did you ever watch all of them? No. Well, there was a hel- couple of helicopters in the oh, webisodes. But those, of that course, was right were at the beginning right of the outbreak. Yeah. yeah. So. But helicopters, they're around, it seems like. Yeah, they, they are, generally. Who knows? <clears throat> uh, so at this point, Lori and Maggie ride up, and Rick greets them. They hug and go inside, and Lori lies down beside unconscious Carl and tells him, Mummy's here. You're going to be okay. That's so nice. Hopefully that is nice. We go to commercial. We come back, and Rick is giving more blood. But he's having a hard time getting up this time. He's looking he's, a little green, too. He, Did you he, notice that? He wasn't looking great. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely a little pale. Um, Lori says Carl wanted to do the same for Rick when he was in the hospital, but she had to talk him out of it. Yeah. Good you know, son. A little young for uh, given blood. For given very much, that's for sure. Uh, now, Lori gets updated on the situation, and she calls Otis the idiot who shot my son. <laughs> on one hand, I don't blame her. You know, this is the idiot who shot her son, but yeah. she doesn't have all the details right now. She's still so angry. She's she's just angry, exactly. Herschel reveals to them at this point that he's only a veterinarian and not an actual people doctor. Well, Laurie had the same <laughs> confusion we did. Yeah. Because they said, uh, you know, I'm a vet. Oh, good, you're a veteran. You have, uh, you know, medical experience. You're a combat doctor, she no, said. Oh, no, a, a veterinarian. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. We We didn't know that. We had, I don't think we had that confirmed until actually last night. Right. So there you go. He's a veterinarian. Lori is having a lot of faith in his abilities right now. She said, and this was a great line, she said, you're completely in over your head, aren't you? And Herschel says, ma'am, aren't we all? My, my wife uh, said that line slightly before Herschel. said, you're completely over your head, aren't you? And, she, and Jenny said, they all are. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so. but I just loved how Herschel delivered it. You know, yep. he was so he's so polite with her the whole time, calling her ma'am and so on. And ma'am, aren't we all? Yep. It was really, really well done. Now, we finally see Shane and Otis at the high school. They are they're there hiding beside them behind some cars and there are a crap load of zombies around just mulling around the parking yep. lot. 
It reminded me of something, <laughs> this scene. It reminded you <laughs> of Dead Rising? Nope. What? Although it could have, I guess. It reminded me of the scene from Shaun of the Dead, where they're cutting through some backyards. Oh, right. And Sean climbs up to see over the fence to see how many zombies are there, and he climbs back down with this look on his face, and they say, how many are there? And he just says, lots. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of that. It's like they're behind the cars, and there's none around. You look over the cars, and there's a massive group. So it was uh, it was kind of funny. <clears throat> um, but before, uh, before we see them do anything, we cut back to the highway, and everybody's talking about heading to the farm. The only problem is Carol won't go because she thinks that Sophia's going to p- potentially come back to find them on the highway. That's very reasonable. That would be a very big concern. Like, what if she does find her way back here and everybody's gone? How horrifying for a little girl. Oh, you, Gone through, you know, a horrifying experience of spending an, a night and a day in the forest by yourself, coming back just to find everybody left you behind? Well, exactly. You'd, you'd, they'd never find her at that point because she could wander off in any direction then. Yeah. And uh, so Andrea and Daryl agree to stay. They, they think it's it's not reasonable to leave either. And Dale says, well, if the RV is staying, then I'm staying. Well, why wouldn't you? <laughs> it's his car. Yeah. Um, they also tell Glenn that he has to go find the farm to reconnect with their people. Right. They need someone to go and, I guess, tell them that, you know, we're, we're still looking for Sophia, but, you know, we understand what's going on over here. Me? Why me? <clears throat> yeah, says. that's right. <laughs> he wanted to stay. He's like, oh, come on, I got to go. It's always me. <laughs> Um, Dale also talks about wanting to get T-Dog to the farm for some treatment because, of course, he's dying of a blood infection. Now, at this point, Daryl says, well, why don't you say something? And he pulls out a bag full of medicine, <laughs> um, including antibiotics and illicit drugs that yes. were his brother's. Did you get the Breaking Bad reference I here? did. You're stealing my uh, holy crap. Did you see that? Moving on. <laughs> Blue meth. All right. And that's gone. <clears throat> it's okay. You can still use it. All right. Uh, back to Shane and Otis. They find some flares in the trunk of a nearby police car, and they use them to distract the zombies. Very smart. It's after dark now. They light the flares, and they chuck them over as far as they can. Always good fun. Absolutely. The zombies see that and start going towards them, and they run in behind them to the main medical trailer, where I guess all the supplies they're going to need are stored. Back at the farm, they're worrying about Shane. Uh, they're worrying why Shane and Otis aren't back because they've been gone too long. Rick wants to f- go find them, but of course, Laurie and Herschel say that he'd be crazy to go. Not only because he has to be there to give Carl blood, but also because he can barely stand up from giving so much You'd blood. You'd never already. make it out of the yard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Rick's say, you know, he's he's like, if something must have gone wrong, if something happened to them, I have to go. And he wants to fix everything again. He's the fixer. He always yep. wants to be fixing fixing problems. Um, Lori says she can't do this herself. And, uh, you know, meaning she doesn't want to stay there with Carl by herself in case something happens, in case Carl dies. Rick gives her an interesting look at this point, like he has something on his mind, I thought. Really? Yeah, I thought he gave her a look like, I know something about us that, that I haven't said anything yet, you know? So could be. who knows? We'll see. If you go back and watch it, I think it was pretty clear. <clears throat> we head back to Shane and Otis. They're in the trailer gathering supplies. They find what they need, which is good, all the respirators and tubes and so on. Yep. And then they open the trailer door to leave, but sadly the zombies are no longer distracted by the flares. Yep. I my, guess... my wife saw this coming. Well, yeah. As soon as she went in, she said, how the hell are they going to get out now? Well, I mean, I guess if the zombies kind of moved over there and they were staring down at the street at the flares, they might not have seen them, but there were too many, I think. That was the problem. Yeah, and I mean, they're, you know, how long can you stare at a flare? You know, a mindless zombie stare at a flare and get to mesmerized by it. It's like, flare, and then you move on. Not that they speak or anything, but... <laughs> right. They make grunting noises, though. Yes, they do. Um, so they open the door, zombies are no longer distracted, and they basically have to run, and they're being chased by a lot of them. They sure are. And they're fast, and they're pretty agile, these zombies. Uh, eventually they get cornered, and Shane shoots open a pair of glass doors with his shotgun. Yep. Which was exciting. And a mistake. A mistake? Well, you're firing a shotgun twice. First of all, twice was unnecessary. Second of all, uh, you're making a very loud noise. And if they weren't around you before, which they were, there's going to be a whole hell of a lot more now. Right. But what else? Like, they had to get in there, and the doors were locked. So you might as well shoot through the doors. 
True. Because they're there anyways. Sure, if you're trying to sneak in, they haven't seen you yet, shooting through those doors is a bad idea. I don't, I don't know. I think it was a panic moment that wasn't necessary for them to escape. Yeah. Shane, was pa- he was starting to panic anyway because he's like, oh, my God, let's go here. Oh, no, let's try here. He was panicking. He was a little panicky, and by the time he got to that spot, I think he just, uh, I think he overreacted by shooting those uh, those doors. Out. I think they were cornered, though. I don't think they had anywhere else to go, and he had they had to go through those doors, and shooting them was the quickest way through. Now, I agree, he shouldn't have shot them twice. I think one shotgun blast did the trick. I think they should have, uh, I think their whole plan of going into the trailer was a mistake, because obviously that trailer has some kind of uh, tractor that hooks up to it. They should have gotten into the tractor trailer, got somebody on the roof. They should have backed into that uh, that trailer and taken the whole thing with them. <laughs> That's what I would have done. Probably easier said than done. I don't know. <laughs> you got to find the trailer, hook it up, know how to do that. The thing might have been there for years on blocks. I don't know. Well, not years. Oh, you're right. Not years. But it might have been set up there and just not, you know, not ready to go. I don't know. But, hey, if they could have done that, yes, you're right. They should have. <laughs> but that's just my opinion. Shane and Otis close a security barrier that is on the other side of the glass doors, I suppose, and now they're trapped just out of reach of the zombies, and, like, just out of reach. Yep, they're they, they're they, right there. They lock it with a little tiny bolt. It looked like an elastic band to me. It was, uh, it was uh, a bolt on a string. So the string was there because that bolt is used to lock that thing. Okay. But, so they put the bolt on it, the bolt on a string. He put the bolt in the, in the little holes which locked it. Got it. It's not very stable when uh, there's a horde of zombies trying to get through it. <laughs> to me, it looked like there was an elastic band, and he just wrapped it around the thing. I'm like, <laughs> well, that's not going to work. <laughs> well, it might, actually. It fooled my cats, and zombies aren't a whole lot smarter than my cats. Stronger, though. They are stronger, but they generally. try and they push. They don't go, oh, I just need to open this thing. Yeah, that's so, true. And there's also a big horde against them. You know, if there's a, a crowd of people trying to get through a security gate, trying to open that security gate is probably going to be impossible anyway. It's right, because they're all mashed up against it. Right. So I think that bolt was just there for dramatic effect, but I don't think they really needed it at all. And you know what? A cat can learn to open a door. I had a cat that used to be able to push doors open, like sliding doors. I was just talking about my stupid cats. Right, okay. My stupid cats cannot open doors. <laughs> well, no, not a latch door, but a sliding door, they might be able to figure that well, out. Well, we have a screen door in the in the house and the, for the backyard, and uh, they'll push on the screen door, and eventually it'll open a little bit, but... Uh, they don't know that if you push it sideways, it'll open. They push on straight forward like the zombies were doing. Right. right? Okay. So well, a little tiny latch, you know, they're done. They'll figure it out. And that's it. That is all of episode two, Bloodletting. So we've got Carl. Um, where where do we leave everybody? We've got Carl in the bed not doing so well. Yep. We've got Shane and Otis trying to get supplies. Not and, doing so uh, well. Not doing so well. And we have everybody in the forest or on the highway not doing so well. Oh, they're okay. T-Dog's in rough shape. T-Dog's in rough shape. Okay. But they haven't found Sophia, so that's Sophia, not good. Sophia, don't know where she is. I wonder what's going to happen with her. If she's just going to... I figured she'd be at the farm. Like, she wandered and found her way to the farm. And when they got there, they'd be like, oh, here you are. Right. But that didn't happen, obviously. So she's out there wandering around somewhere still, which... Okay, we've got a church and a farm <laughs> and a school... And a school, but the school was overrun with zombies. Yeah, so uh, what else do we have? And a tent uh, with a dead guy in it. I think there's a mall around there. What other kind of uh, structure do you have out in the middle of nowhere? Well, she, yeah, I don't know. More houses? More houses, maybe. Maybe she found her way to a housing development somewhere. Oh, yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know. If if none of these things have happened, I think it is, what are we going on? We're going on two days now, two nights, right? Two nights, yeah. A lot to ask for a 12-year-old girl to survive in the wilderness amidst a zombie apocalypse. Although it is August. Nights. At least it's warm. At least it's warm. If she, uh, you know, surviving for without food is uh, possible mm-hmm. for that long for a little girl might be a little iffy, but it's uh, it's possible. Oh, yeah. If uh, she was in a creek, so drinking's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being able to avoid zombies, you know, there's not a lot that was like, there's that horde that walked through and then one lone lurker hanging out in the woods mm-hmm. and uh, then a whole bunch at the uh, at the FEMA school place. So, they seem to all be hanging out there, so yeah. maybe there's not that many around. If she's, uh, if she's smart and keeps her eyes open, she could avoid the zombies. It's true. I, I still think if it goes on much longer, though, and she's she, she hasn't been at some sort of safe location, safe-ish location, right. I think it's... A little bit of a stretch to ask me to think she survived in the woods by herself that long. Well, obviously she's hanging out in a tree fort. Clearly, 
Clearly. Clearly she found some sort of tree house. And, or, or a bomb shelter. <laughs> and she's been in that the whole time. That's right. And it's full of canned goods and Yeah, she's going to come out 20 years later and it's going to be Fallout 3. You never played <laughs> Fallout, did you? No, but I know it. Yeah. I know it. All right. So just before we leave bloodletting, um, what did you think of this episode? Did you think this was one of the better Walking Dead episodes or uh, kind of average? Or what, what are your general thoughts? Well... I think it was average in that it was really good because all of the episodes so far I've thought were really good. So I liked this episode. I think that the uh, it set up a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously we got to meet a whole lot of new characters, which I, I'm always a fan of. Yes. Uh, I think that the interactions between the existing characters and the interactions between the existing characters and the new characters uh, – set up a lot of things. I'm a little sad that uh, Glenn didn't get to meet Maggie in this episode. Well, that'll come probably next week. Yeah. Well, they didn't, they sort of, they saw each other. Did right? they? Well, she rode up oh, on the right. horse. Right, 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 right. right. And then he, she rode up like a white knight. You know, I'm sure that got Glenn's attention. Well, who wouldn't be excited by that? I'd be like, whoa, chick on a horse with a bat. Yeah, and a awesome. holster. <laughs> and a holster for the bat. That's true. So uh, I like this episode overall. I thought it was uh, it was well done. I I sort of think I, I like the new characters too. I think Lauren Cohen and Scott Wilson as Maggie and Herschel were fantastic. I thought they were both really good. They played the characters really well. We didn't really get to know the other people at the farm yet, right. uh, other than Otis. He was good too, though. Yeah. We didn't see Otis's uh, wife, I guess, or the other no, guy. We that saw was there. Otis's wife. She was there. Well, I know that, but we didn't. She barely had a line. Like we didn't really get to know her at all. Yeah, he called her honey. He did. At one point. I thought it was Herschel's wife at first, and then I remembered that Herschel's wife is not around, and then Otis called her honey, and I'm like, what's going on here? Oh, yeah, it's Otis's wife. Right. And um, <clears throat> the other guy that was there, who I guess is Jimmy. Jimmy. According to the credits of the show, he didn't have a single line, so we didn't get to know him at all. Um, but I really liked them. I thought Lauren Cohen and Scott Wilson especially were fantastic. I think they're going to be great additions to the cast, and they play those characters really well. Um, the rest of the episode, you're right. To me, it felt a little bit like a setup episode. I don't want to say filler because this show doesn't, in my opinion, so far have much filler. Everything is happening for a reason. Right. Um, well, so far in this whole season, nothing's been resolved. No, there's that's only true. been uh, things. You know, there's, there's only been setup. Like not one thing has resolved yet not one single plot line in any way shape or form has resolved that's very true they get stuck on the highway they're still stuck the sophia disappears she's still gone carl gets shot he's still almost dead that's right so and and i I think maybe i was feeling that a little bit for some reason which you wouldn't think after just the second episode um i'm already looking for stuff to get wrapped up yeah something just uh, i think the next episode they have to wrap something up just i don't care what it is find sophia uh, get Carl out of the woods, uh, you know, wrap up what's going on at FEMA at the high school, uh, you know, get off the highway, anything, <laughs> just wrap up something. T-Dog, T-Dog's is an easy plot line that they could wrap up. You give him some pills, you let him sleep. And he gets better. And he yeah. gets better. It's an interesting point that you're right. Nothing's been wrapped up. Even Shane and Otis, they're out there and now they're trapped, right? Even yeah. though they have a specific mission. And when you think about it, back in the pilot episode of season one, things were introduced and resolved. Bicycle Girl, for example. Yeah. You know, it's a small thing, but she was, uh, you know, her storyline was complete. Yes. But she was, that episode she was completed. Was done. <laughs> she was. <laughs> uh, but that hasn't happened this season. And I think, uh, yeah, I think I'm feeling that a little bit. And I suspect, as you said, next episode, things will start to resolve and move on to the next thing a little bit right yeah. so this is something <clears throat> and you know before we spoke here i was kind of bugged by that whole conversation between t-dog and and dale and i felt like it was a little bit weak in the writing department there however i think the explanation of him being uh delirious or losing it because he has this infection explains it and i feel okay about it now okay good yeah it, i feel better for sure so, coming up on The Walking Dead next week, we have episode three called Save the Last One. Any idea what that means? Um, save the last uh, fragment from Carl. <laughs> Leave it in there? <laughs> no, save it. Put it in a little jar, let him put it under his pillow, and maybe the uh, the tooth zombie will come and leave a dollar or something. I wonder if it could... <laughs> tooth zombie. <laughs> I wonder if it could have anything to do with a a barn full of zombies? I don't know, trying to save 
uh, last one in there. We may get to that. Yeah, I, I'm not sure we'll get to it right away. I here, think right? that's going to be uh, episode six-ish. That long, eh? Yeah. Because I, really I don't think it would take that long, especially if Carl starts to recover. I don't think it would take that long for them to explore the, the farm grounds a little bit and realize that that's there, if it even is. We have no idea. It may or may not be. Right. Yeah, that's true. We don't know. So save the last one. The amctv.com description of this episode is as follows. The group desperately awaits Shane's return. Shane finds himself trapped in a school, surrounded by the undead. Daryl and Andrea search for someone in the woods. Oh, my. (laughs) Could that be any worse? Oh, the suspense. What's going to happen? My goodness. (laughs) That that description. They search for someone in the woods. Absolutely. This episode next week is uh, written by Scott M. Gimple and directed by Phil Abraham. So there you have it. That's all we know about episode three, Save the Last One. I think they're talking about chocolate chip cookies. I think that they have uh, chocolate chip cookies in the pantry, and they're going to save the last one for Shane when he gets back. That makes sense to me. But not Otis, because uh, he's the idiot that shot her son. That's right. But Shane, he's, he's a <laughs> good man. Save it for Shane, and it's all going to be Laurie saying that, because you know, save the cookie for Shane, because I like Shane, and Shane deserves a cookie, but uh, Otis does not. All right. Well, we'll find out next Sunday at 9 o'clock. All right, Jason, before we get into our holy crap, did you see that moment, I want to hearken back to last week's episode. Okay. And because we got an email about a question that we had about the weapons that Carl found in the car. All those knives and stuff? Yeah. We were wondering what that machete with the hook on the end is called and I, so on. I sent you a link. Uh, to Gerber, right? To Gerber? Gerber is the name of the company that makes those weapons. Don't they make baby food? Uh, in Canada. I don't know. I guess they make knives in the States. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, typical. So um, Ken from Citrus Heights, California wrote in and he said, Chris and Jason, that bag of bladed weapons that Carl found and that Rick, Shane, and Daryl used to kill the zombies in the church are all current products from the U.S. knife maker Gerber. Here are a few that I recognized. The machete with the hook on the end is the Gerber Machete Pro. Yep. So it's a pro. That's the link I sent you for that one. There you go. The There's a long bladed one called a Gerber uh, Parang. And of course it's bladed. It's a knife. But it's sort of a long, kind of looks like a butcher knife, but not really. Right. <laughs> Parang. And then there's the Gerber Camp Axe. Oh, I have a small hatchet made by Gerber. It's, yeah, uh, it's like the camp. It's, uh, it, well, it's only like six inches long or something like that. It's a really small axe that just fits in your pack. Is, is it the same thing as the Camp Axe? Yeah, looks like it. Yeah. I don't know if it's actually made by Gerber, but I can find out. So those are three of the knives that uh, or weapons that Carl found. and um, well, I don't think they're meant to be weapons. Like, they're all camping okay. equipment, right? They're, they're camping. A couple of machetes, which are made for chopping trees, not people. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, people use them for chopping people. Especially uh, in horror movies. And uh, <laughs> yeah, in the real world, too. Well, I guess horribly, so. Horribly, horribly so. Uh, but the, the axe is definitely uh, not meant for human beings. No, definitely not. <laughs> you would not want to hit a person with that unless it's a zombie. Uh, uh, Ken says, looks like a clear case of product placement to me. Oh. And uh, unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know, he is, he is absolutely correct. When I was browsing the Walking Dead site on AMC TV the other day, an ad for... Gerber knives came up right on the website. Oh, well, there you go. So they've got Gerber knife product placement, everybody. If you're interested, go find them on Google, I guess, and, and they... look them up. Seems like a weird thing to have for a product placement because they're not weapons, right? No, but they're being used as weapons in this context. But you'd think that the uh, the manufacturer, uh, they're if they're using it for weapons in this context and they're paying for that, doesn't that strike you as horrifying? <laughs> Uh, it, it, that they're advertising their products as weapons when, in fact, they shouldn't be advertising them as weapons? It's definitely a little questionable, I would say. Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe they figure that it's just good to get their products on screen in front of eyeballs. It, well, that, no doubt. I mean, and people do that all the time. It's just, you know, they're paying for product placement to show off their products as, as weapons. You know, would they, would they do the same thing for, uh, you know, a firearm company, Smith & Wesson? You know, yeah, they, you know, they the, have they have a lot of firearms, but they're not. Uh, there's none of them seem to be product placementy at this point, except for maybe this Spaz 12 <clears throat> that uh, Shane carries around. Yeah, uh, but that's not. 
you don't know that you don't really know what that weapon. is. It's a police weapon. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. I'm sure there are, there's probably rules about product placing guns, just like cigarettes that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. But knives are fine. Knives are fine, I guess. Knives, well, I guess guns do too, but knives have many, many other uses than killing people. In fact, that's not their primary purpose. Well, that, that's my point, is yeah. that, that, you know, generally they're not manufacturing these things as weapons. They don't go uh, to the government and say, I need this licensed as a weapon because I'm making a big friggin' knife, you know? But, but guns are weapons. They're designed for killing things or people, right? And that's, that's the difference. Knives aren't, guns are. Well, that's a bit of a gray area. A lot of times, uh, you know, pistols are not meant for... There's sport pistols, and there's target practice pistols, and there's uh, stuff, but the weapons that they have, yes, generally they're made for shooting people and animals, uh, various such things. But there are uh, firearms that are meant specifically for sport and not meant to be Like skeet against, shooting? Like skeet shooting, yeah, that kind of thing. Well, I, I admit that. It's just that guns in general are kind of mostly about killing, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, animals or human that. beings. Yeah, I'll concede that. Um, knives, on the other hand, are not. But anyways, the point is, those are real knives. They're in there as product placements, so um, you might be seeing a lot more of them. <laughs> or maybe not. Or maybe not. All right, uh, just before we move on, it is time to talk about our sponsor, Audible.com. For you, the listeners of the Talking Dead podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial give you the opportunity to check out their service what have you got for us this week jason well today is something uh, very topical the uh, the steve jobs biography it titled steve jobs oh yeah just released today yeah uh, uh by walter isaacson it's, this is based on more than 40 interviews with jobs and more than 100 interviews with family friends adversaries competitors and colleagues so uh, that about covers it all that pretty much everybody well-wishers, there's no well-wishers on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, fans, they didn't interview me. I can tell you that right now. No. And I think even if you are not a big fan of Apple or their products or even Steve Jobs, you can't deny that he's an interesting guy. Oh, and yeah. he's led an interesting professional life. Yes. And, you know, for that reason, I would say I would recommend this book to anyone just who's interested in the computing industry or just people of influence yeah absolutely so it's narrated by uh, dylan baker and comes in at 25 hours 10 minutes it's a long one to download your free audiobook today go to audibletrial.com slash talking dead once again that's audibletrial.com slash talking dead for your free audiobook holy crap did you see that all right, it's time for Holy Crap, Did You See That? And uh, I, I guess, like you said, Jason, we kind of spoiled yours earlier, but sure why did. don't you reiterate what it is for the fine folks? Well, it was in uh, Merle's bag of tricks there that he kept on his bike that uh, Daryl pulled out to help T-Dog out. Uh, he had uh, crystal meth in there, and it sure was blue. It was the bluest meth I've ever seen, and I have not seen a lot of meth. I've never seen meth at all, but I it, it, I didn't catch it till the second watching. I'm like, hey... There's blue stuff on the bottom of that. That must be the meth. Oh, it's manufactured by Heisenberg. That's right. That is <laughs> Heisenberg or Jesse meth right there. That's right, <laughs> which is uh, Breaking Bad. Yeah, it was kind of fun. Walking Dead had a Breaking Bad reference, yep. and uh, it was the blue meth. It's pretty cool. So that's pretty cool. If, if you don't watch uh, Breaking Bad, I highly recommend you do so. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, excellent, excellent show. Okay, so my holy crap, did you see that moment, is what I think is, it might be a little bit of a, an unusual one. Mm-hmm. It is the scene, for me, um, when Lori arrives at the farm on the back of the horse, yep. and, she go, and Rick runs out to meet her, and they kind of hug, and then she sort of pushes her way past him to get into the house to get to her son. Yeah. And I thought it was, first of all, done on the show really, really well, the way they depicted her her panic and her desire to get in there. Um, but also really, really realistic because, you know, even though Rick is her husband and so on, she's she's like, hey, how are you? Let's yeah. go see our son. And that's, I to me, felt really genuine oh, sort good. of thing. And I thought they just handled it really well. Okay. You know, this is your child. You want to go and make sure yeah. he or she is okay. Hey, you're all well and good, but uh, get out of my way here. I've got a purpose. Yeah, she looked. She looked panicked. She looked. You know. Uh, you know. She. She did look like she was um, relieved to see Rick a little bit, but like you said, she's got a purpose, and that's to get inside and and try to find out if her son is okay. So 
that was my holy crap moment. And something I didn't do last week, but I definitely want to do right now is send a call out to anyone listening to give us a call or send us an email with your holy crap did you see that moments from this episode or I guess any episode of The Walking Dead. We want to get some calls or some emails and we will play them in future um, holy crap did you see that segments that's a great idea i think it is if we can get a few people uh, walking in and it can be anything from the episode that just sort of blew you away or you thought was really great or re- done really well um or i guess on the other hand maybe not done that well holy crap did you see how bad that was oh well, yeah if you uh, <laughs> if you see some equipment uh, showing up in the shot if you see the, uh, the the audio boom or a camera or somebody's foot or a toe or something like that uh yeah let us know it's always fun when you see stuff like that. I've seen people uh, holding up boards and things off on the side. It's like, how did you not know that that guy was standing there? Uh, why did the editor leave that in there? I've seen it in movies before. I've seen the odd boom mic in a movie. Um, but in TV shows, it's rare for some reason. But in Lost, there was one scene in Lost where there was some sort of fight happening on the beach. A lot of quick camera moves fast cuts and in one of them there was a big fuzzy mic in one (laughs) side but it was so fast that like i didn't see it on first broadcast i saw it because i was looking up the episode online and someone had a screenshot so cool yeah anything like that (laughs) that'd be good that'd be a good uh, thing to holy crap would you see that Uh, (laughs) did you see that microphone stand yeah exactly there it is so if you've got holy crap did you see that moments by all means get them to us at 866-483-ZOMB or TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. Contrail from an airplane would be a really good one, too. Yeah, that's true. You normally true. wouldn't see that. It's like seeing those in spaghetti westerns. It's like, what the heck is that airplane doing there in the 1850s? There's probably not airplanes flying around anymore. And in if this there is, that's significant. We, and even if it's a part of canon, then uh, that's pretty significant that there's actual airlines or planes flying that high, high up. Yep. Absolutely. It's like seeing a helicopter. <laughs> yeah, which we'll probably never get back to again. But who knows? We'll see. Uh, and that's going to do it for our podcast this week, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can do so, as I said a few minutes ago, at one eight six six four eight three 483 zomb That is 483-9662. is a toll-free call, and it is a voicemail box, so you won't have to... Get one of us idiots answering oh, the yeah. phone. Don't worry about talking to us. Nope. You just leave your thoughts, your name, where you're from, and your thoughts, and uh, we'll get you on the show. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead, um, on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead, or, of course, by email at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Next week, we will be back, and we'll be talking about next week's episode which is called Save the Last One. Save the Last Cookie. Save the Last Cookie. <laughs> you never know. And uh, until then, I hope everyone has a great week. Send in those comments and questions. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Bye. Bye.